Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is, I hate to do this, Nate, but this is the season finale of Season 3 Bull Bear Chair Podcast. <sighs> season finale already. I know. My goodness. <laughs> well, we are getting towards fall. Uh, the like, snow is going to fly. That's true. So that's when we wrap it up, right, for the year. That is very true. That is very true. Sad. Uh, we do have, since it's a season finale, for those of the, you know, people that have been following the show since season one long time distinguished listeners we have a special guest who has ended every single season with us do you know who that is uh i'm gonna go with the chairman that is the one and only chairman our chuck father. the chairman lucius aka founder of gradient financial group aka our father he'll be joining us on the podcast today to talk about who knows but guarantee you it will be insightful Yes. Now, before we get into what you and I are bullish and bearish on, I know we started this season or somewhere in the beginning talking about how I had just bought a smoker. Yes. And a lot of our fans have reached out and said- I, I bought know, one before you, but keep going. Well, during that story, if we can go back, because a lot of fans have been asking about, you know, gosh, we're just dying to hear right. about your smoking right. career. And you had uh, your first endeavor into your smoker. You had smoked a pre-cooked ham. Uh, Honey-baked ham. <laughs> Yes. You smoked a pre-cooked ham. I heated it. You heated it. Almost used it as an oven. Yes. But I'm sure you've done tons of things since then. It's been... What else have you put in this smoke? Well, I'll just take you back through the last couple weekends. So uh, last weekend, I did burgers and brats. On the smoker? Yeah, they weren't cooked, so I had to cook them. Oh my gosh. It was a grill. Um, I've never done... like You know when you see people smoking and they're smoking like a 19-pound brisket? Yeah. And it goes for like two hours or two days or whatever it does. Never done that in my life. The only thing I've ever done on there is something that could be done in 20 minutes or less. So you use it like a grill. Exactly. It's a grill. Does it take chips? Yeah. It's like the pellets. Like the little wood pellets. Thing. Yeah. Got it. Like apple. I, uh, I think my last one I had was apple wood. Oh, yeah. Because it goes nicely with burgers. Oh, it's, does it? it's like a fine red wine. It pairs, pairs well. I've bought numerous kinds of those pellets, and I can't tell the difference when I'm done. Is that weird? Um, no. Okay. It, people are like, oh, I can taste the flavor. You're like, mm. I don't know about that's because of the pellets. But <laughs> no, anyway, it's it's a solid device. I agree. It's top notch. I don't remember the brand, um, <laughs> but it's really good. I love it. I've, it's uh, easier for me to work with than even like my uh, gas grill. Very good. I so, you, so you're getting into it over Yeah, the you just set the button, you set it, and forget it. It's like, it's like a peel. Right. <laughs> it's, it's simple. I love it. I smoked a prime rib. Went phenomenal. I thought that was going to be a train wreck. Went phenomenal. And then I asked about the brisket to somebody, too, like the big eight-pounder. And they're like, well, you got to start that the night before and wake up at like 2 or 3 in the morning and do something nope. to it. And I'm like, I'm out. The thought of having a grill or anything on like all night long just makes me not want to do that. I agree. And like wake up at two in the morning, like no, because we just stay up. Memories of having an infant two in the morning. I'm tired out there spritzing my rib roast. (laughs) So I think it's gone well. I think I've done done good. Now let's get on to what we're bullish and bearish about. Nate, season finale. What are you bullish on? I'm going bearish. Uh, Okay. Okay. Um, I'm bearish on. As I've said, I have two children, six and nine. Um, They're both into sports and all kinds of things. I'm bearish on two things about youth sports. Okay. One is over the pandemic. I'm not sure if it's pandemic caused. Every sport has moved earlier in the day. I would agree with that. 
I had hockey last, I didn't actually, but my six-year-old did. Mm-hmm. I had hockey at 510. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to get home at 430. Everything's going haywire. <laughs> I got to get him in the car at 440 and we got to get there. So 510 is like six o'clock should be, I think, the first I agree. starting point. Right. So I'm bearish on that. Um, I'm also bearish on like how competitive youth sports is. I agree. I mean, it's just the kids, my daughter who's nine is really into competitive gymnastics and there's girls that are like eight to 12 in her mm-hmm. level. And you go to one of those things and the moms, uh, not to pick on the moms, but on gymnastics, the dads and some of them, yeah. Some of the moms are like, oh my, I think my daughter's a level five and she's only a level four. And you know, well, this girl's 12 and this girl's eight. And it's like, none of that matters. And it's just, it's overwhelming. The amount of time and energy and effort when like maybe 1% of those kids, I don't know the statistics, maybe 1% of those kids will play beyond high school in any sport. I agree. And it's not like the nine-year-olds out there being like, I should be a level five. Nine-year-olds Correct. like, I want to jump. In I just want to do this. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm just, I think it's too competitive. It's too much. Everyone just needs to take a step back. I would agree. And unfortunately, it's almost like your child needs to commit to a sport. Yes. At nine or 10, eight, nine, 10 years old, do more than what's required in the, the seasons to make sure they keep pace with that sport or they almost kind of fall out of that sport. Right. Or back it's like when we were if, young, you played. If you're football a decent, and, and, and especially play at a big school like in high school, if you're a decent athlete in like three sports. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 it's not going to cut it. You need to be really good at one. At one, yeah. So, you can't be a one. Anyway, it's, it's uh, just a kind of what I'm in the heat of battle right now. I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. I'm in the same thing. I've got, uh, I think, dance tonight. Uh, I think i got football practice tonight, which is tackle bar football, which I didn't know what that was. Tackle bar. <laughs> in between flag and gosh. Nate, I'm going to go bullish on, and I'm not trying to make a political statement here by any means, but President Biden, the other day on 60 Minutes, said the pandemic is over. He did not say COVID is over. Yep. COVID will still be a thing. And again, it is not a political statement I am making, but I am ready for the world and life to get back to normal. He did make that statement. He said the pandemic is over. And I think that's a great thing. I think people are out again that for the most part, you know, people have returned back to normal lives. I think there's a new sense of what life looks like now and you, you did reference the kids sports things but i do think the days of people working i think people work until five is the legitimate expectation yes. but i don't know a lot of people that work till six o'clock or seven o'clock like maybe we used to do back in the day i think people spend more time as as families now i think it recalibrated kind of some people of what's important and so i am uh i'm happy that everybody has admitted or came to the conclusion that the pandemic is over and we can finally move on. You know how many cases of COVID the globe has seen? No, I don't. 612 million. 612 million. And that's from, from the, from the get go. There have been 612 million cases of coronavirus. Okay. So I guess from the beginning. Yep. I was. Uh, however, we are still requesting another 22 billion to fight COVID. Whew. Now I won't, I won't because so, I'm, there's I'm going that. bullish on this. I'm not going to go bearish right now on the amount of money thrown at this thing, which is arguably caused from the inflation things that we're in right potentially, now. Yes. Potentially. Yes. I'm going to get off the political soapbox, but I'm just going to leave it back as bullish. The pandemic. Yes. Is over. Travel restrictions. 
masking, all these things are kind of, I wonder in the history books, were you kind of a history buff when you were young? I wouldn't call myself that. So when you think back to like, and I'm a terrible history person, this is not think back to like the Cold War and all these things you read about. 1987? No. <laughs> these things you read about that were 10, 20, 50 years ago. Yeah. I wonder in 10 years, like when our kids are in high school, First off, I don't think at the age of like six or seven and below, they're really going to remember it. Probably not. But I wonder what it will say. Like, will it be a chapter, a paragraph, a book? Like, what will it be you in know, 10, 15 years? <laughs> Assuming we don't have another I've thought COVID of, 2.0. I've thought about that, too, of, of my kids who are now 11, 8, and 6. You know, two years ago were 9, 6, and 4, and they would... They were young enough where the masks weren't a thing to them. It was just, they just did it. They didn't know why or anything, but they would get in the car after being in a store and they would have them on. And I would turn around and say, hey, you know, buddy, you can take that off if you want. And he'd just look at me like, no, I'm good, just because that was just a way. So I bet they'll be telling their kids when their kids read about it. Yes. Of like, I remember. Even that. though they really won't. Even though they won't, but they'll remember yep. the mask part. Like they'll remember that period in time. And I do think. You know, whether you were for it, against it, or somewhere in between, that it was certainly one of the most interesting experiences and time periods to live yes. through. I'm going to go on record and say that, remember early in COVID when you'd get like groceries or they'd oh, yeah. be delivered? You couldn't even like go. Remember there was a point yeah. in time where you couldn't even like go yeah. to the store or nobody would yes. for maybe, I don't know if it was a month or two or three or whatever, mm -hmm. and they'd be delivered or mm -hmm. Amazon and either people would leave them outside. Oh yeah. Obviously, you can't leave certain groceries outside for a period of time, or you'd bring them in, and what would you do? You'd have to like wipe them down. I, I did that one time, and I told my yeah, wife, I was, I was like, I remember, she, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're wiping down our groceries. Like, are you gonna wipe the the strawberry down too, or how do we do this? <laughs> no, and so, that to me was just crazy. It was wild. It was wild. But we made it through it. Pandemic is over, and so we're all moving on to enjoy a great year. That's right. I no tell more masks. you what. I'm not sure what topics Chairman's bringing on next, but you get out of here. I'll take Chairman for the season finale. Chuck Lucius, the Chairman. Perfect. Chuck, welcome back to the show. As uh, you have been our guest on the season finale, this will be the third time. Well, that's excellent. Thank you. Is it still as exciting as it was the first season? Even more so. Did you think we'd get renewed this many seasons? Uh, I think it's self-renewing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. We have the same. You'd have to cancel yourself, wouldn't you? Our, our sponsorship has maintained consistent through all three years. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we won't spend a lot of time on uh, Chuck's background. I think most of you have uh, uh, know him as the founder of Gradient Financial Group. He's also mine and Nate's father. Probably your biggest accomplishment in life. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's, but uh, it's an accomplishment. <laughs> but uh, you know, obviously, you've had success in in your earlier career, uh, following through companies you worked for, and then obviously as Gradient Financial Group here. So today's show, what we want to cover and talk about is kind of the the differences in employee being an employee mm -hmm. and being a business owner. Okay, and we're going to mm -hmm. go kind of two extreme opposites of employee or actual owning a real business yeah. and everything in between there. Yep. So let's start with, you were an employee, okay? And, you know, I think when I paint the picture that way, it almost has a 
negative connotation of employee versus business owner because you see all the stuff in social media of own your own business and do all those things. Mm-hmm. But you were an employee for 40-some years, right? Well, I guess if uh, you count my Air Force for five years, I was an employee there. And, you know, prior to that, I was an employee and a rock crusher. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was in college, and uh, then uh, I went to work for uh, Prudential Insurance Company, and I was employed by them for 26 years. I'm actually retired from uh, from uh, Prudential Insurance Company. So let's start with that one, okay? okay? And that was when, in my childhood, what I remember is you you had done what appeared to me as a young child to be fairly successful at Prudential. Every trip we went on every year was a Prudential award trip basically i didn't necessarily know that or understand that back in the day but you were doing well enough to qualify for two of those a year typically and what did you like about working for a big organization like that well it seemed uh, at the time it seemed secure to me mm-hmm. you were working up the ranks and uh, i guess the security of having a quote job was uh, was the key factor. I had a young family and things to pay for, and um, my job was to bring in the money, and my wife's job at that point in time was to take care of the kids. It was the classic family situation. And honestly, I didn't know any better than that. Um, originally, when I went into the financial services business, I went in to uh, be able to make money and do things wherever I wanted to with with uh, whoever I wanted to. So it was an um, uh, entrepreneurial motivation, but I, I ended up in a, as a, an employee. Okay. And as you climbed through the, you know, you mentioned the ranks of corporate America, and that, that was a big company, <clears throat> you know, thousands of employees, right. tens of thousands. What do you think the keys are for someone who does work for a, a company, does like the security, likes the environment? What are the keys to growing through the ranks of an organization like that? I, I think a lot of the keys have nothing to do with the business. Is uh, Don't step on anybody's toes up ahead of you. Have good ideas, but when they're not greeted with open arms, don't continue to shove them along. Be compliant with the requests up above and learn to follow. And I, even no matter how high you get, I'm not particularly sure if you ever lead in it truly. You're, you're told what, pretty much what to do. Mm-hmm. You, you, can, you comply with the wishes of the company. Yours is to execute their game plan. Mm-hmm. You have small things to say in the in the midst of it, but it's uh, you fill a slot or a billet. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Sure. And is there anything to the, you know, the the satisfaction of, let's just say, recognition of working for a company where if you start your own business, you're not really recognized. I mean, now you have you know acquired recognition for in in a lot of circles as to what you've accomplished. Right. But. You know, working for a company, you get recognition every year or a promotion or put on stage or whatever. Owning your own business, you really didn't for a long time. Right. Is that an addicting thing for? Uh, it was not 
for me. I, I, I always felt like it was a shallow recognition. Mm-hmm. They set a bunch of gates or hoops to jump through. If you jump through them successfully, uh, you get a pat on the head, good dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it was... It, it was nice. Other people uh, enjoyed it more, but I always felt like you, you, the real game is, is the only thing that you beat is yourself and your next uh, goal or achievement that you do better than what you did before. Mm-hmm. That's the only real competition that I ever see. Okay. So you have, I would say, you know, a different gear than most people have of, it never seems like you've wavered off the doing things the way I want to do them, and that is the way I want to do them, right? Right, and that's not an attractive characteristic <laughs> in a corporate uh, environment. I look back on it, and I am really kind of wonder how I ever survived uh, for the uh, uh, 20, basically it was really 23 years of working and mm-hmm. three years of transition. Okay. So then you decide that one day to start your own business. So let's not talk specifically about. Uh, actually, let me, let me correct okay. you on that. I didn't decide to start <laughs> my own business. It was decided for me by being downsized. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time from Prudential, after you get all these, uh, and I'm not knocking Prudential and I'm not, not, not using it in a, in a, uh, negative manner. I, I believe that most companies, big companies, are the same way. Is is they pass out the awards and they pass out these and the, you know we have this great relationship and that until one day they change the executive that's above you or ten steps above you mm-hmm. decides we're going to have a change of venue and then they then you're downsized. It's called a reorg. A reorg, <laughs> right? And I, the funny thing is, is I was involved in reorgs on the reorging side of it. Uh, not the reorged side. <laughs> you're uh, a, you're a reorger, yeah. not a reorgy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep, that's exactly correct. <laughs> and uh, but then uh, then I, I I made it to the reorged side. Mm-hmm. And so then you start your own. Now let's talk about you know owning a business has a broad broad definition of mm-hmm. of where people can fall. Although that is a I own my own business. There are varying degrees of a business mm-hmm. you can own. And we were talking about it the other day. And I, you're not one to sugarcoat things, so why start there? But the difference between owning a business and owning a job. Yeah. Uh, there is a big business, a big difference in that. Um, we'll, we'll just take uh, an example of a fellow that uh, uh, works with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I've worked with him for 20 years, and uh, he's a, a contractor. He has a crew of one, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's him. And and uh, I can I'll even use his name. Uh, yeah, we'll call him Fred. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fred, I've known. And Fred is <clears throat> he's gotten to be a real good uh, friend of mine, also. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he's done lots of projects for me over a 20-year period. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he does not uh, want employees. Uh, he had them at a period of, for a period of time, and he considered it babysitting, and they didn't do the work like he wanted it done and all of that. So he simply eliminated, eliminated them, and, 
and uh, he gets his own jobs, but he doesn't really prospect for them. He's done it through word of mouth, and he's probably got uh, 10 clients, uh, and I would call them really clients, Mm -hmm. people that call him, because he personally does great work, and he's trustworthy. Right. Not the fastest, but it's done right the first time, Mm -hmm. which to me is uh, excellent. Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, that's, that's what I would call owning a job. And there's a lot of people that own jobs. They, they'll own a little coffee shop and they don't have, you know, a couple part-time people and mm-hmm. all of that. But it's them. People come in to talk with them. And uh, um, it, it's, it's not necessarily duplicatable. Yep. Uh, a lot of people in the insurance business or financial services business are one-man bands. Mm-hmm. And plumbers, uh, pool, uh, builders, plumbers pool builders, landscapers. I mean, the world is full of it. I own my own business. Mm-hmm. But when, in fact, you own your own job. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of restaurants, boy, I, I go up to uh, Lake Vermilion, which is way up in northern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Those There's a lot of, almost all the restaurants, they own their own job. Sure. Uh, the person who owns it works there. Uh, they cook. Mm-hmm. When they might hire a person to do something there. Sure. But when that person doesn't show up, they're chief cook and bottle washer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course the employees want to get paid first and, uh, from Mr. Mr. Miss rich mm-hmm. because they're the business owner. They make all the bucks, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's owning a job. Then before we part onto that though, you know, you take the vermilion restaurant owner, they enjoy that right? They like being the bartender, knowing all the locals. They, they might even make quite a bit of money doing it, uh-huh. right? So is there, I mean, it, choosing to do that is decent, but if someone's going to choose to do that, what other steps do they need to do? Yeah. They have to be aware of that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that you see this, uh, we'll use those restaurants that are up there. There's, there's some of them that they change ownership each and every year. Mm-hmm. And usually they get turned back to the original person that built it. And that job or that business ownership is not what they uh, thought it was. They're, they're somewhat undercapitalized. Uh, uh, they have a clientele and the business is not necessarily a, the, about the business, about waiting on tables and serving drinks. It's getting clientele in there is what the business is about. Mm-hmm. And they fail to understand that it's a prospecting activity. And then when you get new people in, you don't want to drive them away through poor performance. Right. Either you get poor one, food, one crack. You get one chance, and then they write it off. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple of places uh, that they've. I've been up there three years, and they've had three new owners mm-hmm. to, to it. And you can walk in there the first time that you walk in and say, you know, this is not memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, you put it. You have a little checklist. I'm sure yep. you do it too. Yep. Is is not memorable. I won't be back. Mm-hmm or pretty good. And then if you go back and the second time it's not as good as the first time, 
you you may give it a good try because you got a good first impression yep. on it. And this was the exception. That was the rule. Two in a row, and it uh, uh, and you're done. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it works that way in jobs too, and in in performance mm-hmm. is is that you better have your best foot forward all the time uh, in the performance of that uh, task that you're doing, or once the customer, or the instructor, or the coach, or whatever sees two or three in a row that are not good, mm-hmm. then that's you. Now all of a sudden you put in a fantastic performance and that's the exception, not the rule. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. That's that might be where that comes from. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then it better be consistent. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's let's then graduate on to to you know, if, if you decide, and you mentioned, you know, kind of be honest with yourself, am I owning a job? Because there's a, there's a route I got to take. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to do that, exactly. my retirement. And you can make a very good living at it and be very happy with it if that's what you want to do. And you decide that's what you do. Agreed. Because as if, if you're in fact owning your own job, you're in fact an employee, right? You got a different set of, of, uh, tasks you have to do as a, as the business owner, but employee, but you also have to save money the way an employee does. You have to have a 401k, you have to, you know, spend less than you make because your business at the end of the day, if they're that restaurant, isn't going to be worth, it's not an asset to them. Let me, let me, uh, sort of, uh, rephrase that Mm -hmm. the way I would look at it is, uh, you always have a job. Mm-hmm. You just have to recognize what the job is. And uh, you never get away from having a job. Even <laughs> as a business owner, you still got the job. <laughs> yeah. It's just the job changes a little bit. I thought it, or, if you owned quite a, a business bit. that one day you just got to never be there and everybody would just do it for you and send you the checks. Is that not how it works? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll work like it'll work like that until it tips upside down and starts heading downwards. Mm-hmm. And let's suppose that you own a, we'll go back to that restaurant or it can be a plumbing shop or whatever. And you don't watch to see what the people do in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think that the people are, are the people in there employees or business owners? Employees. And so they don't realize necessarily that this service aspect and the quality and all of that they're just a lot of times can just be filling a billet mm-hmm. to get uh, to get something done, a piece of paper from one side to the other. Yep, that will destroy your your business if you delegate. People respect what you inspect. Mm-hmm. You have to keep an eye on it until you're done doing it. Then you can step aside. Right, but I was checking back in occasionally to make sure what you started was right. still going. Yep, and that would go for even after you sell a business and it's the payments are dependent and you fight finance it yourself, mm-hmm. you better keep an eye on it because the people who are the business owners are uh, many times of an employee mentality and they'll destroy they'll think that the job is uh, cleaning the floor or waiting on the tables or in the case of fences is putting up fences mm-hmm. and you put them up the best fence in the country. Mm-hmm. Right? That's great. That's an expectation. Who are you going to put them up for is the job. 
And that's the business owner is, is who is the next prospect to have a fence put up. Because if you start hiring people, you have to keep people busy so it becomes a prospecting and the gaining of new client business. So let's talk about prospecting for mm-hmm. a moment. And you've said there's no problem you can't prospect your way out of. Absolutely. Which is, you know, a, a not, not a unique term to our business, but prospecting, finding new clients. I don't care if you're a tire store or restaurant, <clears throat> whatever. you got to find new people. Right. You also mentioned undercapitalized. How did you view, you know, you're, you're you didn't have incredibly deep pockets when you started. How do you view, you know, putting money, making some money as a business, as owning your job, keep putting money in your pocket and rewarding yourself for the successes that you finally had or pouring money back into the business? Uh, in my particular case, we didn't take any money out of it for three years. Mm-hmm. We just kept, uh, we cut our, we sold our house. We got a much smaller house. We didn't buy anything. Everything for the first three years went back in the business. And uh, we had borrowed money, my own money, 100% of our own money, of Tammy and my money. Mm-hmm. And it all went back in. So we were in so deep, failure was not an option. So what happened is, is it in, and in fact, we both were on the same page. We both kept up with the business and the, 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 the movement portion of it, uh, which comes to the, the idea that when we started, we had uh, 12 employees that came with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I guess the term employee is a, a bit of a dated term. Sure. It's team members now yeah. or whatever. Same thing, different name. Mm-hmm. And uh, those people then, we... Uh, made sure of what they were saying and that they had the culture the same way. And they happened to be from the business and people that I had worked with before, so we had a cultural leg up on it mm-hmm. uh, uh, to, to move forward. And we simply drove forward on the recruiting theme of we need to have some people uh, to, to work talk with. To? To work with, yeah. 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 And so as you're moving along then, you know, you see a lot of businesses move from, let's just say, owning their job and they get big enough where mm-hmm. they're maybe not putting the fence posts in, but they're talking to everybody. And you, you start to, you know, and even in this business, at some point between the the garage we were in in Forbes Field yep. and 60,000 square feet of Grady Financial Group with 300 employees, at some point you could have put more money in your pocket or that's good enough or what in your minds, what made you push way past the point of owning a business? Well, in, in my particular case is, is I enjoy watching others be successful. It's almost uh, uh, more of a reward for me than if, if I win the game, uh, I'd rather see other people win the game. And because of that, when they're working with us, uh, I win the game too. So uh, I guess that, that, that aspect of it. Uh, the other thing is, is I don't really have a problem with delegating, mm-hmm. but I do watch. I watch very closely 
And if I delegate and then we train as to what it is that needs to be accomplished, they have a tendency to execute uh, at the beginning less less as good as I could do it, and then later on way better than I could do it. Sure. Uh-huh. And, and oftentimes the way, that for me, I'm not very good at much of anything, so they get very good at it <laughs> faster. They get better than me fast. <laughs> Uh, I'm as so, bad as this guy. We're uh, all in trouble. Right. So one of the secrets is, is that is in delegating, when you give somebody a task to do, allow them to do that and then help them to do it, but don't take it away. And you have to enjoy that. If you want to keep grabbing things back all the time, uh, well, I can do it better than they can do it. They can't do it. They're critical of the other people. <clears throat> Then, then you can't you can't grow a business. You'll you'll grow it back to, uh, you'll own a you'll own a job. So let's let's wrap up with the, you know, kind of what you've talked about before. Is it's not one of these things isn't right. One's not wrong. Being an employee, you can have a great career at whatever one of these businesses are around here at Gradient or wherever. You right. could own a business the size of this one. Right. You could own somewhere in between. And you, right. you talk about the definition, you know, it's, it's your definition of happiness that you got to figure out. Right. Is it you just don't want to work Fridays or, you know, in Fred's scenario, your contractor, he doesn't want anybody to tell him what to do. He's going to take the jobs he wants, doesn't take the jobs he doesn't want. Exactly. Life is good. Uh-huh. So talk about that definition of happiness and where that kind of comes into play with all this. Well, I don't know that I can define, define happiness for, for people or other, other, other folks. Um, uh, to me, you have to make a certain amount of revenue to uh, not live from paycheck to paycheck. That's always maybe the way I was brought up is uh, uh, that has always some, been something that's been very frightening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I haven't done it, but I've always put what I would call hay in the barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put money away and I invest in things that uh, most probably will give me a, a rate of return. Um, but I don't view it that way. I invest in things because I think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that growth and development of people and processes is, is very important to me. And it returns then uh, a good feeling to me and it also returns uh, revenue, which I put back in, and I just keep growing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tammy feels the same way. We put uh, our first eight years, we put everything that we had <clears throat> back into our our uh, endeavor. Mm-hmm. We paid back all the loans that we had. We uh, did everything, and then we started having a surplus of money where you couldn't, you had to, you had to have something to put it into. Mm-hmm. So we we put it in as rapidly as possible, which, uh, which holds no candle at all to some, somebody like Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. You have to keep in mind 17 years ago, he started with nothing. He has a rocket company, <laughs> uh, a, a car company. Uh, There's uh, always the next guy. <laughs> it's the next. Yeah. It's the next guy, which goes back to that statement that I made is you only play against yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to do better than you did the year before, better in the next game than you did the game before. Uh, 
your only real competition is you. And if you do, if you be the best that you can be and you move forward, uh, with other people helping them to be the best they can be, success follows. And it, that fits my definition of success. I can understand completely why people uh, don't want to have employees. Mm -hmm. They find it hard to delegate. They just don't want to do it. They don't want to answer to anybody. They don't want to be responsible for anybody. But you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Mm -hmm. So my feeling was, is my fear was, is that if I got too sick to do it, where would I be? If I got too old to do it, where would I be? And the answer for that is, is you better put some hay in the barn if you do that through 401ks, pensions, outside investments, whatever. And, uh, or you get too dead to work. And that's where your life insurance comes in if, you, if you're too dead too soon mm -hmm. uh, before you have the capital to, uh, to do it. Well, that, uh, uh, I guess that fear of that uh, drove me to what some people would define as success, mm -hmm. um, where you become uh, more independent of the business, you delegate. But even to this day, it's the whole, the business is, is delegated, but I do watch. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because my whole life and livelihood and my whole being for the past 20 years, both my wife and I, uh, uh, is tied up in this thing. And uh, I don't want uh, somebody to step in my basket there. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, it, and it hasn't happened. But you also have to let the people that are running it, you know, if you go 10 degrees to the left or 10 degrees to the right, but your destination is still New York, you know, there's just different ways, different roads to take. Yeah, to get course there. correct later. Yeah, if I look at it and all of a sudden we're going to Miami instead of <laughs> New York, then I want to bring up uh, uh, a few points on it. So, good. Anyway. Well, as always, we appreciate you uh, being a big fan of the podcast, joining us on the season finale. Yep. And uh, if our sponsors continue to sponsor, maybe you can get some Vermillion sponsors for us up there. Uh, <laughs> get a well, t-shirt or something. I have to get the right ones. I think there's a restaurant that's near me that's getting ready to turn over. He's got a job. Maybe you should buy it. Uh, that would be, I don't need a job. <laughs> I don't want a job. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the show, Chuck, uh -huh. and we will catch you next season. All right. Thank you.